Coming up, the latest on the Kansas City Royals from our team here at KCSN. All of our Royals content is brought to you by KC Strength and Conditioning, experts in baseball and softball training for kids ages 8 to 18. If you're in need, you're in luck. John and his crew have sent hundreds of players to college and the pros. That's KC Strength and Conditioning. And now, it's time for the latest updates on your Kansas City Royals. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield. Jordan Foote and Josh Kaiser joining me as always. Gentlemen, is uh, the heat kicking your ass like it's uh, Georgia playing the zoo? Or is it just, like, how are y'all feeling? Really unnecessary. Zoo. Yeah. You didn't need a ricochet <laughs> shot there. That was so unnecessary. I, so I made the joke that it was like playing the, Georgia playing the Citadel on SoCon Saturday, but because I know Josh isn't a zoo fan, they got the straight tonight. It, it had to happen. It's it's as bad as an Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State beating. Ooh. You know, dude, like you can't, the thing is like that insult can't hurt me. Like yeah, I'm so the, broken and beaten down by it. Like it can't hurt. It's as hot as Baker Mayfield versus Oklahoma State. That one hurt. Okay, that one hurt. <laughs> What's Bro, the zero? Well, oh, um, the translation is wrong, but uh, it's uh, his favorite quote is uh, that Kansas City in August is hotter than two rats fucking in a wool sock. <laughs> this is bad. Which is just yeah. the most accurate thing. It is. It yeah. is oppressive. This is terrible, but I, we get a break in the heat this weekend. Thank God. And I like it's one of the like, probably a good thing the Royals are out of town this week. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember back in like Christmas? It was like the wind chill was like negative thirty five. Yeah. And here we are. The heat index is one thirty five. So yeah. fun. That's a hundred degree swing, boys. You know, there's some like scientific stuff behind that i think i'm not going to get political because i don't want to alienate anybody that listens to our podcast but uh yeah stuff happens in the atmosphere in the the ozone layer and it's uh mm. the weather's wild but i know you're going to ask me how i'm doing next i'm doing good doing well and uh, excited to pod it's going to be a, a fun episode i think yeah this is going to be a mailbag episode we we feel the questions from twitter as well as the kcsn discord which you if you subscribe to the Substack, it's $30 for the whole year. You get access to the Discord channel, which is predominantly Chief stuff, but there is uh, all sorts of channels. It's an awesome community uh, for KCSN subscribers, so be sure to check that out as well. And this show brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. Uh, be sure to check them out if you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train. A day one supporter here of this show, and we can't thank them enough for that. So to get into our, you know, our weekly thoughts, uh, something that I wanted to talk about was uh, a new reliever for the Royals that came up since we, and made his debut since we last spoke, uh, and that was John McMillan, the whammer, got called up from A, and he's a ton of fun. Now, it's been two outings, so there's not a ton you can take from it, but it is, like, fun to watch a dude chuck hundos with an absolute, like, the, the, his slider and cutter is ridiculous. I Josh, would you classify not the slider, but the other pitch as a slutter? Yeah, I'd say that's probably okay. Accurate. Cool. Yeah, but uh, so I wanted to look. I was curious about where his stuff plus ranking would be, and where it compares with other relievers and other pitchers uh, that have come in with the Royals this year. And the stuff plus on John McMillan's fastball. Now, again, this is a super small sample. I am absolutely playing fast and loose with the numbers, but I don't care. Uh, in two two innings, stuff plus is one thirty six, which means it's thirty percent better, thirty six percent better than the average. And if you don't know, stuff plus looks at spin rate, spin efficiency, spin axis, vertical break, horizontal break, everything that makes a pitch a pitch. Uh, like really kind of deep diving into the numbers makes one hundred league average moving forward. So yeah, one thirty six, which is the best fastball currently on the Royal side with Carlos Hernandez. Interestingly enough, Jose Quas had the best fast stuff plus fastball on the Royals this year at 151. So I thought that was interesting. Hmm. Um, and then you look at the the cutter is 114 and the slider is 101. So you, the Royals have a reliever with above average stuff with all three pitches. Uh, I looked at the rankings again, playing fast and loose here. Uh, I took the minimum innings pitched down on the the league wide leaderboards to one inning and looked at all relievers 
uh, Jose Quas, or not Jose Quas, I was just talking about him. John McMillan has the uh, 13th best, or 16th best fastball in baseball, 136, among all relievers, among 14 fastballs. What's Nicky no. Lopez's? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to go look that up. I don't know if they show position players. Well, they actually do because I look at the Royals uh, full leaderboard because I took it down to one inning so that I could get McMillan yeah. on there. And uh, Nate Eaton uh, has a 104 on his slider, a 105 yep. on his, or that was on his sinker, a 111 on his slider, and a 100 on his changeup. That's hilarious. That's gonna that's gonna be one of those things that gets lost in this is this piss poor season. Is Ad, is Nate Eaton had a really good showing at the on the mound? One of those things where I'm like, okay. Would Nate Eaton rather be a quad A, like you're going to be up and down, yeah, non-roster invitee type for pretty much your entire career, or do you just say, screw it, I throw 95 with sync and just go all in on the reliever? That's definitely a galaxy brain thought of the way Nate Eaton should take his career, but I mean, it was one of the the most interesting things we saw in the Royals bullpen all year. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the other guy I looked at was Cole Reagans, and I specifically wanted to look at his slider, which uh, Cole Reagans' slider grades out at a 130 stuff. Ooh. Which, for considering this is a brand new pitch for him that he's only thrown in three or four outings, but the fact that it grades out that well, it's, I think it says a lot about A, his ability to throw it, and B, the Royals' pitching development in the minors. Like, hey, let's try this out, and it worked. I think it's a a testament to some success there. So I took it down to about 20 innings among all starters because I mean, Cole Reagan's just on 28 innings in Kansas City, but the first outing, he didn't throw the slider. So I took it down to 20 just to kind of make it work. And it is the, uh, where did I, oh, he's, it's the 13th best slider among all starters with at least 20 innings. Some What's notable the- names below uh, Hunter Green, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, Justin Verlander, Hugh Darvish, Reed Detmers, Sonny Gray, uh, Grayson Rodriguez, Carlos Rodon, Corbin Burns. So it's in pretty good company there for a pitch that he just started throwing and seems to be pretty confident in uh, at this point. It's pretty cool to see. If you've got it there, what's his cutter grading out at now? Oh, uh, let me look. It's a 93, so slightly below. Which, if he's comfortable throwing it, I'm not as worried about it now that he has the slider. I think yes. a lot of the talk with him early on was ditch that thing because it sucks. Yeah. And either, and just work on what you have with fastball changeup, you know, and curveball. And then once he added the slider, the cutter actually plays a little bit better because it can be that more, that pitch up in the zone with that horizontal break. And then you have the slider that dives off of it. Um, I'd be curious to see over, you know, the next few outings if that cutter grade jumps up any yeah. because uh, because he has that equalizer now with the slider. Yeah. I like it. Um, I just wanted to, I, I was struggling this week, man, because like we've highlighted a lot of players. I'm kind of bored with the whole, oh, over the last week, this guy's doing blah, blah, blah things. So just kind of tying into that though, um, Jackson Coar is a guy that hasn't been talked about much at all this season. Um, ever since he came up earlier in the year, didn't do so hot. Um, since the All-Star break in the minors, he's thrown 19 innings, allowed five runs. That's a 2-3-7 ERA. He struck out 19 in those 19 innings. He's walked seven and allowed 17 hits. Now, none of that individually means a lot. And then he had a couple outings within the past week. One, he threw one in the third innings, struck out three, allowed a hit and a walk. So a little bit of the uh, best of both worlds with Jackson Coar, kind of the good and bad with him. Um, then on the 19th against Chicago... He had a scoreless inning and only threw 10 pitches and it was pretty quick work. So I didn't think anything of it until there was a clip tweeted out. I think it was like the Bally Sports KC account that brought up um, a clip of him and Jeff Montgomery kind of going through some stuff on the mound. He said he moved to the center of the rubber um, and he also is pitching exclusively out of the stretch now. He's kind of like conceded, hey, I'm going to be in the bullpen. I'm going to be thrown in in some leverage type situation. I might as well embrace it and he's starting a slider 27 percent of the time this year after 10 percent last year he's doubled his vertical drop um in average there so i don't know if any of this means anything i still lean jackson Coar isn't going to be a long-term piece for the royals and he's just going to be this guy that 
was a relatively high draft pick and had the changeup, and he's still changeup dominant, but never amounts to a ton. But the results are improving a little bit. The raw numbers still kind of suck, but I am on, on my radar. He's like a couple degrees removed from the center of it instead of being completely off where I honestly had forgot he was even with the organization at all. The other thing I think was interesting, and I think our our guy Alex over Royals Farm tweeted it out, and it was something he had mentioned earlier in the season. Like he needs to drop his his arm angle from like because he's throwing basically straight over the top to like here, like that kind of three quarter. He's about here now. Like he's he, it seemed like they made a little bit of a, a concerted effort to drop his slot just a little bit. It'll add a little more tilt to the slider. It's going to create a little bit more deception. And it seems to be working because he's he has been a lot better at the big league level as a reliever. Now, it hasn't been a huge sample, but considering how, for the most part, awful he had been for the entirety of his big league career to this point, I think just the fact that he's making any change like that tells me, you know, maybe there's something there as a, a sixth inning mop-up guy or the occasional seventh, eighth inning you know, I think the stuff is so good enough that it can play there, especially when he can run the fastball up, you know, 98, 99. You know, maybe there's something there. I my And it sucks because I was so high on him. I thought he was going to be the guy out of this class, and he has been basically the worst of the bunch. Um, you know, just hope that maybe he's able to salvage something with his career at this point. So out of, out of Carlos, Clarkey, Coxie, Hearn, McMillan, Kowar, Tucker Davidson, you need an inning of scoreless ball. Who are you giving the ball to right now? I'd still say Carlos Hernandez just because, like, I know the last few weeks have not been great, but I think he had a really nice bounce back in Chicago, which I think helped him a lot because, and I tweeted about it earlier because he had a couple outings that were rough after the Mm -hmm. the outing in Boston. Like, I, I do wonder how much that affected him mentally. Like, you're out of the inning, you made a good pitch, should be strike three, and the umpire inserts himself into the game. Wasn't Probably wasn't paying attention. Calls it out of swing. Next two pitches later, you get up a home run. Like, that's got a way on. And then the next two two outings were really, really bad. And then you get that nice bounce back, so that's how quickly it can change for, for relievers. I go him, and then I go McMillan if I had to go one-two. I'd forfeit if I had... <laughs> Pick. Like, I guess I'd go Hernandez, but, like, I don't feel good about any of those yeah. at any point right now. Well, it's just something I was thinking about this week because it was, like, I think you can make a good argument for, like, four or five guys in that group, but it's, in the end, is not, not you don't feel comfortable with it at all with any of these guys. So, I think Coar can absolutely still be in that conversation as of the what we've seen the last two or three outings, but still, that's a two or three outing sample size against a very large sample of not being effective. So, just something I was thinking about uh, this week. But also, I am kind of pumped up about this lineup that once everybody gets rolling, gets healthy, add Vinny Pasquantino back to this lineup, and I think you've got something really, really solid to work with. Um, I was kind of playing around with batting orders and trying to keep a little bit of the right-to-left matchups kind of going. Uh, you can still stick with Michael Gar- or Michael Franco at third base, batting leadoff, the Bobby at second. Uh, Vinny batting third, Salvi fourth, MJ fifth, Nelly Velasquez, baby. Give me him in right field on a regular basis just to see what he's got. But he's also giving you that right-handed power that this this lineup is going to need in uh, the very near future. And then Fermin, Massey, and Waters as your 7-8-9. I think that's a pretty solid lineup with solid defense as well. I think it's pretty well-rounded, top to bottom, very deep. And it, it kind of answered a lot of the questions that you came into the season wanting the answers for. Um, being able to extend the lineup past your one through six guys to like a Massey and a Fermin and a Waters with all that pop and upside from all three of those guys, you can't really like pitch around anybody in that top half of the order. So I'm pretty pumped to see it, this this lineup at full strength. Um, if they add a couple guys in the uh, off season to see what they can do to kind of rotate some of these. We've seen Q at Love's matchup-based uh, lineup. So um, I, I could be really, really talked into top 10 offense next year if this lineup is what it is. So let's uh, let's just see how it goes. But I was just kind of hit me this week how excited I was to see this next year for sure. Okay, so how do you feel about it, though, if a Salvador Perez trade happens? Yeah, I think that's pretty... And you have 
for me and I'm just looking at no at free agency you probably can get for pretty cheap like a Mitch Garv or something like that. I mean Garv's like, got pop. Yeah, I mean there's legit pop there, but yeah, you know, unless they throw a catcher in a trade or something like that. I mean, why not call Logan Porter up at that point? Give him a shot to be this backup catcher and maybe DH some days. I would love that. Maybe we got a question about something like that later on in his mailbag, but we'll have to see about that. But yeah, I, it's going to be pretty telling uh, the direction of this club if they make a deal like trading Salby in the offseason. Yeah, I'm not feel like I'm still kind of on the fence if I actually believe it's going to happen, but we, I think mm. we have to operate under the assumption that it could. And so that's where I'm I'm kind of doing the math on 24 uh, yeah. and kind of looking at both sides of, is Salvi here, is he not? Yeah, it's going to be retail. He has a 64 WRC plus since the beginning of June. He has like a 93 in August. So like I, I'm all for people being back on to Salvador Perez. Like, oh, he's going to be back to what he was bandwagon. But like also... He's what thirty three now, and not staying a lot healthier. And the Royals aren't going to be any good next year. So, like I, based on what we know, what we might infer, and the age and contract, um, I don't know how much value he offers the Royals next yeah. year. But like, there's also, and I don't know the data behind it. There's some value behind like, oh, Salvador Perez is in this lineup. Like, you still have to account for him even right. when he's slumping because he's not very blatantly a shell of himself yet. He's just had a couple rough months and seems to be snapping out of it a little bit. So um, if they do keep him, like Josh said, it's a pretty good lineup, one through six. And then you have guys that may not be total pushovers at the end. And that is the making of a playoff caliber lineup in theory. Um, they obviously are not going to be a playoff caliber team overall, but I definitely get the logic there for sure. Absolutely. We are going to answer your questions from the mailbag right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. What's good, everybody? It is Ben Heisler from Benny and the Bets here on KCSN. And if you are ready to go the distance and improve your golf game like I am in the process of doing, I want you to head on over to PXG right here in Kansas City and take the PXG Gen 6 Driver Challenge. They are confident in the Gen 6 that they're putting their money where their mouth is. If their Gen 6 driver does not deliver more distance, more carry and roll, higher dispersion compared to your current driver when you go in for a fitting, they got you covered with a $100 MasterCard reward card. That's it. Go in for a driver fitting. See if your driver is up to their driver. And if it is, you get a $100 MasterCard reward card in the process. This is an unbelievable opportunity to upgrade your game with a custom fit PXG fitting. I've had it at the Kansas City store with Alex. It was one of the great experiences I've had in a golf fitting period. So take the PXG Gen 6 driver all throughout the month of August and get ready to hit those fairways with confidence. So visit your local Kansas City store or head on over to pxg.com for all the terms and conditions. PXG. Nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button on all platforms. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We're going to go and answer your questions. And thank you guys so much for everybody that submitted questions either on Twitter or on uh, the KCSN Discord. Uh, we really appreciate it because this made our episode because we had no idea what the hell we were going to talk about. So we're going to talk about what you guys want to talk about. First one goes to our guy, Bayou Billy Butler, who I know is listening to this. So we absolutely had to get him first on here. Uh, how much money do you think the Royals will give Shohei Otani when he signs in Kansas City this offseason? Great thought. I love the pipe dream. I think it's hysterical. Um, it, he Don't worry when he he signs in Seattle. Don't worry. I will come on this podcast very happy when they give him 10 years and $600 million. I think it'll be it'll be just fine. Yeah, I was I was wondering. I, I don't think it's going to be Kansas City, but what do you guys think of Shohei commands? I, I'm very curious about this. I think it's going to be 600 yeah. Straight up. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be 500 M's. Like, he is going to get an insane amount of money. How old is he? 29? 28? So, you're going to get, and it's tough, because, like, I could see him being this level player for, like, four or five more years and then dropping off a little bit just with the athleticism. Well, gonna, like, if he he's still going to be a like, damn good hitter and a solid yeah. catcher. And, like, if you do both those at a high level, you're going to get crazy value even in your mid to late 30s so it's going to be worth it like it's going to be a good deal 
and I don't really worry about his durability long term, but it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a shit ton of money that like would put the Royals firmly out of it, especially if Paul oh, want to yeah. talk with Bobby Wood Jr. extension. They couldn't even dream of affording a guy like Shohei Otani. No, like, the, and he's gonna he's gonna do it for five more years. He's I think he's gonna do both for five more years than he's gonna hit. But if he wins another MVP or two and a World Series in that five years, the contract is paid for itself at that point. And then you take whatever happens on the back end when he's just 37 and just swinging for the fences still because he can. You guys both said six or five? Six. I think I'm no. closer to five. What is the length on that? Ten. I go, I think it's ten for 600. Hmm. I got ten for 400. There's no way he's getting $400 million. I'm just really? telling you. This is 29. This is the, the Trout and Harper extensions, I mean, those guys yeah. are on top of their games when they signed their extensions. He is still they didn't get contracts. Well, and this is, I think some of this too is like racking our brains because this is unprecedented. We've literally never oh, yeah. seen a contract, <laughs> no. a free agent like this. But when I, you think about it, like you're like the ace of a pitching staff, like the, a top end starting pitcher. Right now, the going rate is around 300 mil, like Garrett Cole. Okay, so... A, like a 45 million annual... 300, yeah. 300 million there. And a really solid middle-of-the-order bat that you know is going to be the middle of your lineup every day for 10 years. That's about $300 million. And he's so, both. We have an ESPN insider predicted, um, and I just scrolled past the article, um, 11 years, $605 million. We have a CBS Sports Insider, 500 over 10. And then we have a Kansas City Royals catcher, Salvador Perez, saying 600 for 10. So Joel and Salvi are in the same boat here. Yeah. Um, again, no U.S. sports franchise is fully guaranteed a player, even $500 million per this article by the Washington Post. So I think it's closer to five. I could see him yep. getting six just because that's insane. Um, four would be more in line if, with like what I would shell out for him just because, but he's going to get a shit ton of money either way. Hmm. Yeah. By the Mariners, Joel's calling it. I'm calling it. Um, so then Michael Farina, who hosts the Royals Deluxe podcast, uh, he said, what do you think a Bobby Wood Jr. extension would look like if he signs one this offseason? Do the Royals take the, a safe-ish route and just buy out a couple of years of free agency? Or do they drop a Tatis like Mega Deal right now? I'm going to answer this question since you both want to trade him and get rid of the best player this franchise has had since Carlos Beltran. Um, look, what I think the Royals would do and what I would do are two entirely different things, and they both kind of fall into this question. Like, I think yep. the Royals would try and get like an eight year deal for about you know two fifty two seventy five that buys out about four years of free of free agency after this year. Um, he'd be, I think, 31 at that point. Um, and then he can go and probably still get a pretty decent deal on the back end if he so desires. I would go full fucking send and drop like a 14-year, 15-year, 300-some-odd million-dollar contract and make him the face of your franchise for the next 15 years. I said it last year, even when he struggled. I'm still saying it this year. Like, you cannot let a dude like this walk out the door. You just can't. Like, I, I understand the, you know, the hesitancy to give out some of these deals because obviously some of them have gone very poorly. Like, obviously the Tatis stuff with the suspension and then what happened in Tampa with Wander. Like, it's obviously an inexact science, but I think when you have a guy like this that is a generational talent and has asserted himself as a top 10 player in the sport this year, I think you have to do it. I, I don't think you can trade this guy. Because I think we're getting close to a point where there is no way to get fair and equal value for him in a trade. Like I just don't think you do. There's no there's no possible way to do it. I uh, Matt Lamar wrote a great piece on Royals Review talking about this exact subject. Um, I had taken a couple shots last week about kind of estimating that. Um, again, Alex Duvall and I we both kind of went after each other's uh, proposals on. Uh, what we thought was going to happen. I think we pretty much agree on the same thing that it's either you're either going to get like maybe a year and maybe a second year of free agency, but highly doubt that second year. It might, you might be able to extend another year, but I don't think we're going to get multiple free agent years from a Bobby Whitney Jr. extension unless it is that lucrative 
14 year deal that has multiple opt out possibilities for him. Um, kind of like the Julio Rodriguez deal and, and Lamar's piece on Royals Review kind of went down to two. That might be a way to structure it. And I think yeah, yeah. we hit those benchmarks too. You can either go with the Tatis extension 14 over $341 million, just cut and dry. That's what it is. Or the Julio route, which is 12 for 209.3 up to $470 million. Pretty incentivative and pretty creative on the opt-outs and the options and stuff. They kind of get thrown into that. So, Two pretty interesting routes there. I think the more enticing one would probably be the Julio Rodriguez route. I think that is the way more likely deal that Bobby Wood Jr. would sign just because, and you make those incentives pretty easily hit. But if he does hit them, like, you know, you got a, you got an MVP candidate type of guy. So I would probably go with that Julio Rodriguez extension and just say, good, good, good going. Yeah. Ditto to both of you guys. I think. Joel's point about it would behoove them to do something big time as soon as possible. And Josh's point about the Julio extension and also, again, hats off to Lamar for writing a really good article. Um, I don't think they do anything this winter. I, I just don't think they're going to get it done, get any sort of extension worked out. Just my gut feeling. Um, the ideal outcome for them would obviously be to have him as a Royal long term. I still think that's going to happen, but I just don't know if they're going to expedite that process this isn't really an organization that typically does stuff like that and i know they believe in him long term they might come up with something oh we want to see it over one more full year whatever it's going to be as they just, up, man exactly and it's going to go up so he's going to be worth you know 13 14 million or sorry 13 14 years for like 350 mil it's going to be a shit ton of money um mm-hmm. the royals can afford that if they want to long term but uh it's going to be more of a future thing I, I have a feeling yeah well we'll see but jacob milham jacob milham kc the royals start 2024 without a single player on the 2023 roster they have to make a team with the current farm system who starts opening day 2024 and who leads the team in home runs i forgot to make anything to do with this so <laughs> um what do you guys think uh i think anthony veneziano is on the bump for opening day, and I think Thick Lofton or C.J. Alexander, if he technically still counts, would lead the team in home runs. Um, Alexander's pop is legit. I don't know about anything else in his game right now or ever. And then Lofton, he's just interesting. Like I, we'll talk about him in a few questions. I think at some point, but um, he does have some pop to him, and I think he also has the positional versatility where he would play a significant amount of games, so he'd get the the plate appearances to get that. Um, I think really that's just a tough question because the farm system versus a guy like Nelson Velasquez, but he's technically on the team, but he also technically hasn't been on the team for long and does have the power, but um, I'm going Veneziano. And then if I had to pick one of the two, I just brought up, I think I'd go Nick Lofton. I I went full blown lineup here. Um, I agree. Veneziano going to be on the bump. Uh, catching Logan Porter, first base Devin Mann, second base Javier Voss, third base Nate Eaton, shortstop Nick Lofton, despite not having logged many shortstop innings, I believe in him that much that he can go whatever. He can go be the shortstop. Left field John Rave, center field Bubba Thompson. I think we're going to forget about him quite a bit, but give me give me some Bubba Thompson in the center field. Right field Brewer Hicklin. Love Brewer Hicklin. I can never quit Brewer Hicklin. And the designated hitter is Tyler Gentry just because the defense out there in the outfield is really, really good. I got Nick Lofton would be t- would be winning that home run. Uh, it wouldn't be a lot, but uh, he is right now tied for the home run lead in Omaha with 13, I believe, and 323 plate appearances. Got a, just a 170 ISO, but a 13.3% K rate. So he's got 13 home runs and just a 13.3% K rate. I think that's the difference between like a, a C.J. Alexander, a Devin Mann, a Brewer Hicklin potentially leading these this this thirty win team to uh, to the home run title on this team. It, it would be just the fact that he would be able to square them up a little bit more often. So I would give give me Thick Lofton on that one. General Lee Awesome uh, asks: Is there a food you would go to the ballpark to eat, even if there wasn't a game? Any food from any stadium is acceptable. Mm. I will say. Like, there are days where nothing hits better than a ballpark brat. 
Yeah. So like I I get it. Like I would I couldn't do it like super randomly, but like if it's like the middle of summer and I had the opportunity to just go to the K and get a brat and just sit there, totally do it. I I went probably something we could probably create somewhere else, but a brisket acho I think has to be done here. Just that has potential. Delicious. Yep. But I think my number one spot has got to be a beer bat. Shout out Tucker Franklin. There is. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, we you did a I did a podcast prior to this where we drafted like the best beers, and a ballpark beer is just it just hits differently. It just does. It, it doesn't does. matter if there's a baseball game. If I'm sitting in a seat on a hot day with a beer in hand, life is good. So I give me a beer bat, and uh, I'm a happy day. I'm a happy Josh. I would go to Yankee Stadium. Hear me out. I know that we've talked about the Yankees. I know where you guys stand on them, and I, contrary to a lot of people, don't have any problem with the Yankees. I would get a spicy chicken sandwich. I'd get buffalo chicken mac and cheese, so I'd double down on the chicken, and then I would get a Grand Slam shake, and then to wash all of that down, I would get a beer bat filled with Tank 7 imported from Boulevard, and I would just pass out in the stands, and no one would hear from me like, Dude, That's and like, take seven's bad because like me and Joel have been to Yard House. You can't get a half yard of tank seven. It's not possible because they're it's so potent that they're like, dude, you would literally die. Like it's not okay. So I would, I'd do it. Man, I got a horror story from a couple Super oh, Bowls ago about Tank Seven. Uh, mm-hmm. that's not a that's not a podcast story. Jordan <laughs> uh, Jordan's menu, I hope you get good financing on that because yeah. that's about a three hundred dollar food order. It, it's covered by uh, KCSN, I think. They they love oh, them. Yeah, yeah. BJ Cancel is enough to, to cover that. Penny Mac, nineteen eighty four. Thoughts on Carson Rockefeller? Pick has been widely panned, but he's been very good so far. I actually really like Carson Rockefeller the more that I watch him. Uh, just for some, you know, some stats here for people that may not know, he's been in. Well, played eleven games in High A, but he's got a one sixty three WRC plus slash in three twenty five four fifty one. 475. He's Kang like right just under 20%, but he's walking at 18%. I and he's playing a legit center field. He's got six stolen bases in 11 games. The swing kind of reminds me of Alex Gordon a little bit. Like it's got that like that really exaggerated one hand finish that's really built for line drives. If he can build up to be like a a 12 to 15 home run guy, which I think there's enough bat speed and barrel there that it probably can happen uh with a, maybe another off season you know have the uh the Nicky Lopez or what Merrifield nine eggs uh diet and I think that's an everyday center fielder in the big leagues by 2025 because he can play the position that well he's not gonna be a 163 later on his creative plus guy but if he's like 115 which I think is fully possible this could be a guy that they kind of got a steal out of in the third, fourth round of the draft. I, he's got six stolen bases in those eleven games. Like his defense projects pretty well. I think the on base ability is transitioning, and like I think he did. He play in the Cape Cod League. Did I read something about that when he got drafted? Let me check baseball reference. Hold on. There was something about he went somewhere and started tweaking his profile and lost some of the power but gained some on base ability okay that's that's what i thought so it was the cape league um and obviously different there than it is playing college ball i I just think he has one of the higher floors out of any prospect in the royals farm system and that's why i said last week like that's a high ranking to have him at 16 or 15 or whatever it was but it's also hard to disagree with just because i can't see him dropping much lower than that at any point he has done everything so far and again it's 11 games we're going to talk about this with a few guys I guess over the course of this mailbag he has been good and I think the profile was good when he got picked he's done nothing to change that so I'm a very positive start for him definitely a positive start I will throw out that he's still pretty old for this low A Columbia status right now it's 21 Um, so I I would kind of take that with a great assault kind of like the the rookie ball guys that are absolutely crushing right now. It's always with a grain of salt with those guys. So I want to see Rockford kind of come up and do do the same thing there in the quad cities. But like you guys are talking about, it's a hell of a great start. Um, I was trying to looking for some like body comps and like profile comps to see, you know, exactly kind of what we could dream about. And I kind of came across an interesting one, like Jake McCarthy out in Arizona. 
uh, left-handed guy that's like that. contact or on contact speed oriented with decent defense and en- enough pop to be like register, but uh, but yeah, still six one something like that. Uh, two fifteen, I think, is what McCarthy's running at. So I feel like that's pretty similar body comp and what he could profile as. So if that's what we can kind of look forward to, uh, awesome. Um, I kind of also wanted to talk about like potentially him and Isbell kind of matching up, but Isbell's a little bit smaller of a guy, but I, I feel like the profile's still pretty similar. So that's what I was kind of you know came up with as far as like what it could, what I kind of squint and see. Uh, but yeah, great start for him. I kind of going to definitely keep it on, and we also probably need to. Shout out the fact that the fact that they took him in the comp round kind of allowed them to go get and sign Hyrule Wyatt, which we saw some videos of him this last Ooh. week, and some of that stuff is electric. Um, so if, if we're gonna knock that pick, then we need to uh, also understand why it was made and what it meant uh, on the on behind after that. So that's just something I would throw out as well. We got some more questions. We're gonna answer right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Thank you to everybody that's sending questions. We're going to keep that rolling now. Uh, Josh's brother, Brian Kaiser, uh, Led with a quote from John Sherman, said, I don't, I don't, I did, yeah, Jesus. Mm. I think we did not come to grips with where we are. We were fooling ourselves, and now we kind of know where we are. Without difference makers on the horizon and the minors, how do we add enough war to get where we want to be? Uh, are T's and P's enough? Uh, <laughs> you're relying on a lot of internal development. And yeah, once yeah. you get to like, where they are going to be at the end of next year is where they were supposed to be at the end of this year. I think maybe not record wise, but in terms of like an organizational evaluation, they got a lot done this year, but they have more work to do in terms of figuring out who belongs on the team, 
where do they need to make external additions, stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, they can and should add this offseason. We're going to talk about that here in a few questions, but you're going to really rely on a lot of players to get better that are already on the team and already are in the farm system. Like, I don't think you're going to go, they could go spend and probably put together a team that, that competes next year if they really wanted to, but it would sacrifice the long term of the organization. That's not going to happen. Just going to let people know the Royals are not going to go be big spenders this offseason, in my opinion. Um, so you're really not even getting into the numbers of war and all that stuff. You're just going to have to hope that your guys you have now get better. Uh, I got into the numbers of the war and uh, got real nerdy with it. So uh, just a quick rundown. I kind of took the the average war of all the playoff bound teams that made it last year and all the paces of the leading uh, postseason candidates right now. You want to be around like 45 war as a team, F4. Uh, Royals are currently on pace for 17.6. So you could say they have a ways to go. Um, I will also kind of paste out where they've been since the all-star break 27.9 so let's get a little you know get a little uh fast sunshine puppies sunshine puppy yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so let's just pretend that they could be on a 27.9 pace they go out and they spend a lot of money about 45 million dollars annually on aaron nola to anchor that rotation seth lugo to help out with the starting rotation and potentially move to the bullpen if anybody kind of pans out a little bit more Give me Jordan Hicks. Give me Adam Duvall. Come on down. You've added about seven war, I think, kind of estimate there. Puts us at 35. I think you once you get Vinny back, you net a, about 3.9 to 4 wins just because of the difference between DH and first base right now to what Vinny, what Vinny could probably provide. And you're still left with needing about 5 to 7 war that needs to come from internal candidacy. So it is very much about internal candidacy even if they do go out and drop 45 million dollars annually in this in this contract run i love those free agent moves i'm going to talk a little bit about that in a later question uh from ben taylor at bc uh, bc taylor 10 uh who do we need to watch for making their debut down the stretch now i know that people are clamoring for nick lofton tyler gentry i know devin mann is probably due but there's i there's such a log jam in the infield and the outfield right now with all the bats that need to go around. I don't see that happening, at least not unless there's, you know, unforeseen injuries. But I think Anthony Veneziano, maybe a John Bolin. Um, I think those are two guys that probably are going to get a shot. Uh, I don't know if there's, a, I don't think there would be anybody in double. And maybe if like the Royals just say F it, like Chandler Champlain, who has been yeah. awesome in double A. Yep. So I think you're looking more on the pitching side than you are position players. That's all I have thoughts, but yeah, hundred percent agree on that. I would also potentially maybe move like throw in Will Klein in there, but yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. he was no, he was someone else I brought up. I thought of yeah, and that's Uh, I think it's going to largely depend on the Rule Five status because a lot of those guys like Veneziano was eligible last year, so I think we need to figure out what we have in him. I think he gets added regardless, but I really think it's time to kind of figure out what he's got. Um, could potentially squint and see Andrew Hoffman in that picture as well, but I give it. Uh, but again, I think yeah, probably so. So I th- yeah, I think we've we've kind of covered that. So the, this kind of goes into the next question with John Farrell, JJ Farrell four five one. Does Nick Lofton really fit their plans, or is he just organizational fodder? Now the injury, <coughs> sorry, the injury kind of hampered things, so it's kind of hard to tell. But he's been good enough at pretty much every level that I'm like, okay, if he's not up now do they not want to expose him and they think that there's maybe something there that could be problematic and they just want to keep him in AAA and insert him in a trade this offseason with a Carlos Hernandez, a Salvador Perez, a Brady Singer, whatever, whoever they could end up potentially moving and just make that, you know, a sweetener in the deal. I kind of lean more that way right now considering we, there's been like no smoke around him even possibly getting a promotion. And pretty much deserving. I, I mean, I, he's he's hitting the ball really well. Yeah, that's yeah. Injury part. Um, but I, I mean, obviously, I still love very much love Thick Lofton. Uh, best route to the majors might be through the outfield, which is absolutely jammed right now. And that was prior to them uh, adding Nelly Velasquez, who's been hitting the ball very hard lately. So uh, I agree. I think it's he'll more than likely be a trade piece to sweeten up another deal. 
um, to eat a lot of money. I, I have a salvi deal is the kind of the deal that he would get eaten up with. So uh, it would be a very sad day if that were to happen. But uh, I, I that's my kind of how I see the, the plan working out with him. I think they want to call him up, but they just don't really have a great spot for him. Like it was yeah. Modesty yeah. in his way. It was Whit Merrifield in his way. It was Nicky Lopez in his way. It was Samad Taylor in his way. There's a bunch of outfielders in there. He got hurt a little bit inconsistent. He has a 64 WRC plus in August. So he's kind of scuffling a little bit. Like I, I think Nick Lofton long-term is going to be a part of the team. I'm not ready to say he's going to get traded, but like a, I just am not too terribly high on him, and I, I think that maybe the Royals share some of that, and that he's not a long-term third base option, not a long-term shortstop option. Kind of this guy that maybe can play some outfield. They also have more investment in terms of time and maybe financials too in trade value and guys they want to figure out first. So he has just been the odd man out for a long-ass time. Next year, I think that changes. Maybe he makes his debut this year, but again, like Joel said, there's not really a spot for him right now. Um, so kind of long-term plan. Like if you would have asked me this at the beginning of the season, my answer would have been more firmly. Yes, he's a part of the plan. Now, not really his fault. Just because of the other moves they've made, he's low on the pecking order still. Instead of it being, hey, they got rid of a bunch of guys to clear way for Nick Lofton. Now it's like, hey, they got rid of some guys and replaced. So now he's kind of still stuck where he was. Another one from Ben Taylor. The Royals have looked much better since the All-Star break. Is this sign of an upward trajectory that could lead to 75-80 wins next year or just leveling out from the atrocious first half? It's absolutely the second part. That yeah. first half was so puke-worthy awful that like it they, they were bound to hit a, a streak there like they did that seven-game win streak. You're not going to get like baseball is hard enough and the Royals are not good, but every team wins five or six in a row. It just happens. Uh, I think that's probably going to look more like a 65-win team next year, uh, but that's going to be about a 15-win improvement from where we're at right now. So, yeah, it's not going to be that significant unless, like, something crazy happens and everyone just hits that stride in April and they get off on a pretty good streak. Yeah, um, That's what it would have to take, but I don't think it's going to be that. I think it'll be closer to 65, 68 wins, and we're hoping for 75, 80, and, and 25. You, uh... You mentioned 65, which is interesting. Last year, they played the second half at a 67 win pace, and right now they're playing the second half at a 63 win pace. So you flip, you split the difference there, you would get exactly yeah. 65 wins. I would be surprised if they won 70 next year, let alone 75 to 80. Um, of course, we haven't seen the offseason yet. They could make some uncharacteristically good moves where I'd be like, okay, well, I can squint and see 75 wins and like a decently competitive bad team I expect them to be a bad team that has more clarity a year from now as opposed to a bad team that for most of the year everyone's running around with their hair on fire no one knows what they're doing um John Sherman finally said the part out loud that I have been waiting for people to acknowledge and they now know where they're at they know that they kind of blew their window a couple times in terms of the rebuild a three-year rebuild it's now a long-term thing but if this is your one of that two or three year pace Next year, you make a step forward. Then you, like Ben said, 75 to 80. Instead of that being next year, you're probably pushing it back to 2025. It's going to take some, probably three things, three different things that could happen that I would start to believe that 75 to 80 wins is possible next year. They got to do something huge this offseason. They got to win 70 plus in 2024, potentially, before I'll start believing in the following one. Or if the calendar turns to March, then I'll start believing that they go 75 to 80. So this time, when when they flip the calendar to March, I'm still going to be drinking the Kool-Aid saying 75. Of course you will. It's, just, it's a time-honored tradition of having John yeah. on a podcast. Death, taxes, and Josh gets way too optimistic the preseason. Which is uh, which is a more time-honored tradition, that or the annual This is the Chargers year from the NFL <laughs> media. <laughs> I mean, they're both very reliable. It's uh, it's tough. I, I, I would say the the most Kool-Aid is consumed on the Chargers, but uh, both of them are gross. They're very We're, we're like, very that's been happening for like three presidential administrations yeah. at this point, so. Yeah. Another one from our guy by you, Billy Butler. Uh, who on the roster won a Battle Royal-style uh, fight to the death? I think this is the Murder. 
Carlos Hernandez or Max no. Castillo, one of those. Think, or think, if it's I held think, in the rain, Brady Singer would whoop everybody's ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. No. It's Salvador Perez. Guys. No. This guy is no 6'3", 255. No. He has taken a beating. He's the toughest dude on this roster. He couldn't he's hurt a water. He's, he's ripping spines out of backs. It's Salvi season. He's rocking out of that. I, Carlos Hernandez is the same size as him and is a dog, and Max Castillo is 280 pounds of just we sure beefy guy, I guess. I think Carlos Hernandez is a dog. I think, he's a, I think he's more of a dog than Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez, I'm not calling him soft or anything, but like if this he's too fight happy. happened, exactly, he'd be way too happy. Yeah. Sneaky, we talked about it last week with like Michael Garcia, that look that he gives pitchers. Like yeah. that dude would definitely fight dirty. And like yeah. I think he's got a mean streak in him. <laughs> That's a pretty serious accusation, man. <laughs> I mean, holy shit! I bet he's got. He's gonna streak run in. up and kick somebody in the nuts or something right off the bat. Straight up shit kicks. Straight up shin kicks. <laughs> Moving on here, uh, Nick Johnston from the KCSN Discord. Uh, do you think we should be more active in free agency this year, or lay low like the past offseason? So Josh brought up free agent. And pretty much everybody that he brought up is got are guys that I have on my radar. Like, yes, please go sign that guy. <laughs> because to me, like I understand we're still in a rebuild, but to me, it would be wholly unserious of this organization to go, yep, no, nope, we're fine with running it back with what we have right now. Uh, you know, a team that's gonna win fifty games. Sure, they'll all get they'll obviously all get better. We don't need to inject anybody else in there. They're just gonna everything's gonna be fine. I would be furious if they decide that the biggest free agent move they're going to make is whatever this next offseason's equivalent of is giving Jordan Lyles a two-year, $17 million deal. And that's their idea of being active in free agency. It's a damn joke. Yeah, uh, and that would be kind of where I start to get a little worried because we spent a lot of time trying to figure out where we are. Right, right. But for me, yeah, for me, the optimistic guy that wants everything to be great uh, it would be worrisome because we spent a whole season trying to figure out where we are. Here we are in August, and we say that you, they know where we are now. So that means things start gotta gotta start moving here. That's this is this is the action that needs to start. So if they need to, it's not a great free agent class, but there are guys out there. But I kind of have some faith in this, you know, this coaching and development crew to to rub some spit on some uh, pieces of coal and get some get some diamonds out of it potentially. So. Uh, I've got you know plenty of hopes and dreams in them. Um, I'd like to see some free agents signed. I'd like to see some trades happen, and uh, let's get this ball going. I think at the most you're looking at a second baseman, maybe, and two outfielders if you really wanted to go spend money, two impact starters, and three competitive relievers. I guess you should say realistically you're looking at probably one outfielder, one maybe two starting level guys and then a bullpen piece or two. Mm-hmm. You're you're not going to get a ton. And I only listed second base because I was like, what position could you feasibly make any argument whatsoever where they'd be like, okay, they could go out and get a guy to light a fire under this guy's ass or in case this guy isn't who people think he is. And I'm like, first base, you can't. Catcher, maybe, but they already have enough cooks in the kitchen. Third base, shortstop, you can't. And then the outfield is what it is. We talked about Massey last week. Also, though, you aren't going to really need to go out and get an impact level second baseman. Like, that's going to be in your ideal lineup, the seven hitter probably, or the eight hitter, maybe even the six guy. Like, either way, you're probably looking at activity, yes, but more on the pitching side, far superior than the hitting side. Another one from Ben Taylor, kind of going back to my my Jordan Lyles pot shot. Uh, we're going to move on from Jordan Lyles this offseason, right? Right? I don't think they are. No. No. Mm-hmm. no. He's making the same he is next year. Yeah. I mean, every time you have the opportunity to send a guy out every fifth day to go get absolutely shelled with a 6-2 ERA, I mean, you just got to do it. Well, I, I, I'm not, before I say this, I'm not trying to be the Jordan Lyles eats innings guy, but which means I kind of am by default, even though I don't want to be the Royals have two guys that have pitched 139.1 innings this year. Jordan Lyles is one of them. Zach Greeky is third at 110. 
they just don't have the length in the rotation. And they have guys, we came into the year and said, oh, the Royals have eight or nine viable options in the rotation, blah, blah, blah. Some of them have blown out their arms. One of them has a shoulder issue. Two or three of them haven't seen the bigs this year. One of them, Zerpa, is up and down and was injured. Like, you need someone to occupy innings, and I'm not campaigning for that to happen, but with there's 8.5 million reasons why the Royals are going to keep Jordan Lyles. There's also 139.1 other reasons why um, I don't agree with it. I think it's a bad contract and a, a bad player, but I do think they're going to keep him for 2024, at least to start the year. Maybe if he sucks for a few months, you DFA him or try to flip him if he has a little bit of success. But I do think he is on the opening day roster. I I agree. He's definitely going to be on this roster for $8.5 million next year. I think he's still going to eat some innings. I think there's going to be a little bit more solidity in that rotation with Singer, with hopefully Lynch, with Reagans. And if Lyles is your number five starter, you could do a lot worse as your number five starter. And if he's given the Grinky treatment, like Grinky has been given, anytime he gets even close to that third time through the order, he gets pulled. Lyles gets thrown out there for the third time through, for the fourth time through, and then gets shelled. He usually gets that that fifth or sixth earned run sometime in that third through third time through the lineup. So if he were to get pulled before he gets to that point, then maybe we see a bounce back relative to Jordan Lyles' uh, talent, which is usually like you know. Four and a half ERA with a four point four nine xFIP. I think that could be very realistic to see from Jordan Lyles in a walk year. That if he's your number five guy, he's not hurting you nearly as much as uh, as he is this year. Our guy Christian Christian Gumminger, what's the big baseball move to reverse the public perception to gain their support for a downtown stadium? Do not take into account that it can be privately funded. I think it's Bobby Wood Jr. extension is the first bingo. And you're saying that is the biggest thing because the even though people are going to want to say people are going to talk out of both sides of their mouth on the free agency thing that it's going to be spend money and then the royal sign guy oh this guy sucks like yeah. you know, what are we doing here it's it's the it's the Bobby Wood Jr. extension I think is the biggest thing that I think yeah. would get people to do it. and not like the oh we're going to do an eight year for one twenty like no it's if they get if they do the fifteen for four hundred like I I mentioned that I think it's going to actually help sway a lot of public perception on the stadium. What, yeah, what if James, I mean, there's literally nothing else. You, you're not going to go show, show a, that's not going to happen. No. So that's literally the next thing you could do to not only shake the, we're not going to pay our players, but also shake the, well, we're not going to let those guys go. If we're homegrown, we like these guys, we're going to invest in them. You can, you can trust us to do that moving forward. Give us a new stadium, please. Next one from Chandler. Uh, what? Which of the young guys is most likely to get traded because of depth this offseason? He mentioned specifically Prado, MJ, Lofton. We talked about Lofton. Is there anybody else? I think MJ has played himself into getting another opportunity next year. At least so that since the All-Star break, he's been about a 140 WRC+. plus. So is he going to be closer to second half MJ as opposed to first half? I guess we'll see, but it's he's at least got the positive momentum going into next year. Prado, I frankly have no idea. I'd rather have Vinny because I think he's a much safer option. Um, Prado's just striking out too much. He's not walking in the same way. Um, The power has not come back. He hasn't necessarily evolved as a hitter in certain times, and a lot of his calling card was elite defense, and he was one of the worst first basemen in baseball this year. So what does that tell you about the value? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if the I don't know if there's enough of like a trade that you could trade him for anything unless no. you just kind of throw it. He's like a throw in in the deal. I don't think there's much else. That's that's why it's MJ Melendez for me. If he keeps up what he's done over the past month or so, um, he's easily the most likely to be moved in my opinion because he doesn't fit defensively. Offensively, he fits, but does he really? But like if he can improve just enough to dupe some team into think, well, dupe is strong because he might turn out to actually be that caliber of a hitter. But in the event he doesn't, though, if he's like, oh, okay, MJ Melendez is good, let's trade for him. Nick Prado did the reverse of that. He started off really well and then hit a wall and hasn't done anything since. And like you could always move him to the corner outfield if you absolutely have to. He can't be worse out there than MJ Melendez has been defensively. So I think it's Melendez. I, I'm not saying that he's going to get traded, but. If I had to rank 
all of the young players the Royals have, like their core guys, quote unquote, um, even Nick Lofton extending to that, I still think it's MJ Melendez. I don't appreciate the slander in my boy Nick Prado. He hasn't played a game in a month. You guys talk like he hasn't done shit for for last. No, and that's why they should keep him yeah. playing. And play, yeah. get out of here. But I do think that having said that, I think Prado might be the guy that gets, gets moved. I, I would be calling maybe like Baltimore. Uh, they seem to really like former Royals first baseman to see if they could help out with a little bit of the pitching uh, problems. But uh, we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, I, I think of deal like including him with the Salvi deal to Miami, who also needs a first baseman of the future. I think that can make a lot of sense and could be pretty beneficial to you. So uh, I would, I mean, MJ, MJ makes a lot of sense as well. So I'd, I'd probably be switching my answer to that, uh, but just don't like the slander on my guy, Nick Rotto. Scott Newcomb four. what do the Royals do with Tyler Gentry? And this kind of falls into the Lofton thing where there's just not enough at-bats to go around right now, but I think he's, he's going to be a non-roster invitee to spring training. He's going to get every opportunity, I think, to win a job in the outfield right now. I think the outfield is going to be just on opening day. My thought is MJ, Drew Waters, and Nelly Nelly Nukes. I think mm-hmm. that's the I think that's your outfield. But I think Tyler Gentry is going to get every opportunity. Agreed. I, uh, same. I think he takes Kyle Isbell's job at some point next year and replaces him as like a guy that gets into the lineup or does play some defense and like it, he's a different player obviously but this year walking 13% of the time 23% strikeout rate since July 1st he has a 900 OPS of 127 WRC plus he's walking 18% of the time like he's doing pretty much all he can do right now at the minor league level he's going to be 25 in February it's time I'm not a huge Tyler Gentry guy but like there's not a ton to dislike about his profile. And if he turns out to be a decent fourth outfielder, the Royals would use somebody like that because they have a lot of unknowns right now. Um, So I think they should keep him. They will keep him and he'll work his way in somewhere next season. Last one here from Kyle Collier, Kyle Collier underscore eight ten. Do you think that if you were on the mound, you could get Salvador Perez to swing at one of your off speed pitches? Hell yeah. I did. I did throw a really good changeup back in the day. Um, I could probably just throw the rosin bag, and you would think it's the ball in the other batter's box and swing at that. Um, I mean, I could get at least one swing and miss. And he didn't say swing and miss. He said nope. swing and just swing. So I could get him to you know tag me for a home run. Also, though, against major league caliber pitching, 38% whiff rate on breaking pitches and 30% whiff rate on off-speed offerings this year. You know, you factor in the 15 standard deviations for me compared to a major league pitcher. <laughs> yeah. There's probably like a 1% chance if maybe a half percent chance. Like, I, I'm going to answer yes with a Maddie Lane answer. Of, like, he can swing at it. You just take it out of the yard. Um, But whiffing, probably less than a 1% chance. Even though yeah, Salvador Perez 100%. is known for whiffing, he wouldn't do that if I threw it. Yeah, I'm Maddie answering this whole wholeheartedly, 100% likelihood. That if I get it to the plate, he's swinging at it, and a hundred ninety-eight percent chance that he parks it. There's a very, very good chance that that happens. And hey, I throw Salvador Perez a changeup right down the middle. He hits into the fountains. That's a cool story. That's fine by me. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for your questions on the episode. Really helped us out a ton. Uh, be sure to help help us out as well. Uh, like this video if you're watching on YouTube. Follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, be sure to turn those notifications on. We only have about six episodes left in the season, which is kind of wild to to think about, but we really appreciate you guys tuning in every single week, supporting us and supporting KCSN. We'll talk to y'all next week. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.
headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.